0: The battle is on for the heart, soul, and livelihood of the gig worker. Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, editor in chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain podcast. The life of the independent contractor has never been easy. Balanced against the flexibility in scheduling and choice of employment are the disadvantages of job uncertainty and highly variable income. Today, we're apt to call this individual a gig worker, but that breezy term doesn't fully encompass the dynamics of the job with all of its risks and rewards. Proposition 22, a ballot initiative passed in California in 2020, brought the issue to the fore, launching a legal battle over who should be considered an independent contractor and how that person should be treated. On this episode, we delve into the fractious issue with the help of Kashyap Diora, founder and CEO of HyperTrack, a cloud-based platform for managing field service and gig work. We'll talk about who was affected by the California case, what the gig economy looks like today, and whether it's a sustainable business model for employer and employee alike. It's an issue that's far from settled. Here's my conversation with Kashyap Diora. Kashyap Diora, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me, Bob.
0: Just for starters, would you please remind us what Proposition 22 was all about?
1: Before I answer the question, let me sort of give you some context on the workforce in America. Of the population of America, about half the population is the workforce that's making income, about 166 million or so workers, of which a little less than 60 million are what we call the salaried workers, also called the exempt employees, and then A little over 80 million people who are hourly wage workers, also called non-exempt employees. And about 15 to 20 million, and this is a hard number to count, are independent contractors who are essentially renting out their skills on a per project, per shift, per job basis. So if you sort of go back in time, this distinction of what's an exempt and non-exempt and gig work or uh, independent contractor It goes back about 85 years ago to 1938, when I think President Roosevelt and his administration came up with the Fair Labor Services Act. And Mm -hmm. that defined, first of all, that called out that independent contractors and employees are both part of the fabric of the U.S. economy. And then it laid out these factors for what counts as an employee or non-exempt employee and what counts as independent contractor. And it laid, that's where it laid out the minimum wage and the time and half and what benefits are eligible for employees, and that does not apply to independent contractors. Now, what's happened over the years is that there's now a class of services, call it app-based marketplaces or app-based transportation and delivery services, where there is a confusion around whether the workers who are fulfilling that are employees or independent contractors. And this confusion stems from the fact that when the laws were written 85 years ago, some of the things that represent the work that these workers do Mm -hmm. clearly classify them as independent contractors. The fact that they have control over their time and can do other jobs and are entrepreneurial and own their own Mm -hmm. profit and loss outcomes, et cetera. And then some factors actually suggest that they are employees. The businesses dependence on the workers to do the integrated unit of work or basically the core business of uh, offering of that business. In that, what happened was the app-based marketplaces felt that there are some laws in California, which uh, AB5 in particular, which just broad brushes and classifies all the workers as employees until proven otherwise. And it was fairly onerous for these businesses to sort of justify that these are independent contractors. And the proposition, Prop 22, was laid out to counter that and classify these gig workers working for the app based marketplaces like Uber, DoorDash, Instacart, and such as independent contractors.
0: Okay. So what was the controversy then about that?
1: Fundamentally, the controversy is that here's a class of businesses where customers and workers are transacting in context of a gig, right? Or in case of an Uber, it's a ride. In case of a DoorDash, it's food delivered from a restaurant. In case of Instacart, it's someone's doing the groceries for you and and delivering it to you. And the obligation between the customer and the worker is limited to that job, that gig. These are app-based marketplaces which are sort of enabling that to happen. The controversy is if you go too far in class, just broad brushing them as independent contractors, some of the workers who are completely dependent on these services for their income and these services are benefiting from those workers, putting in a large number of hours and working for the services, do not have that safety cushion, which the regulators want to provide in terms of unemployment benefits and disability benefits and sick leave and family leave and health benefits and ensuring the minimum wage and time and a half and so on. On the other hand, if you just brush them all as employees, then it wipes out the flexibility that a large number of workers are getting by saying, hey, you know, I, I have a day job or I don't have a job, I'm gainfully unemployed, and I want to drive an Uber or deliver food and groceries and make some money on the side. And I want to do that on my own time. I want to do that when I want, switch off when I want. And it won't be viable for these marketplaces to support them anymore because of the overheads involved in treating them as employees.
0: Just for the sake of definition, though, other than the fact that there's an app involved, that these are Mm app-based jobs. How is this any different from, on one hand, say, freelance artists, and on the other hand, maybe independent owner-operators of trucks who are also independent? There's also been some controversy there, in some cases, about whether they're employees or not. Is there something specific or unique about an app-based position that causes this particular controversy?
1: The way it plays a role is, if you think about it, The apps or technology is helping make things happen which were earlier not possible. Earlier when you thought of employees or independent contractors, whether it's hourly wage employees or independent contractors, they'd be going to an office, clocking in, clocking out. There'd be a supervisor who'd sort of assign them a job. They'd probably have some paper trail of that or they'd be showing up at a place of work and doing the work. What's happened now and and somebody's keeping time and the accountant will sort of release you a payment at the end of the month or at the end of the day, end of the week, what have you. With the apps, it's really the workers at their home using their own vehicle to basically list themselves on a website like a freelancer and saying, this is my skill and this is the kind of job I'm open to do. And similarly, the customer is using an app and technology is sort of matching the two. And Mm -hmm. what that does is it sort of takes away a lot of elements that policy and governance was counting on as far as doing work is concerned. Digital and physical are converging into this new thing, and technology is orchestrating this work in real time. It fundamentally looks like a freelance situation because even 20 years ago, as a software engineer, as a designer, you could go online with the beginning of the internet and look for projects and bid for a project and you're a freelancer, independent contractor in that sense. What changes here is these services are being delivered offline, right, in the physical world. But the actual control of the transaction, the matchmaking and the payments are happening online. So it's physical and digital sort of colliding with each other. And Mm -hmm. as policymakers, they're confused about, all right, what should we do now?
0: It sounds like you prefer the term independent contractors over the term gig worker. Is that true? Is there any distinction you make between those two terms?
1: That's where it gets into the politics and the policy of it. From my standpoint, majority of the gig workers are and should be independent contractors. And there are some gig workers who contribute to a big part of the business for any app-based marketplace who might rightly be classified as employees. So I guess I'm using gig work and independent contractor interchangeably, but the entire policy controversy is around whether gig workers should be considered independent contractors or employees.
0: Do you believe it's important for whatever we want to call them, let's say gig workers, independent contractors, is it important for them to retain their independent contractor status? And if so, why?
1: What's really important here is that a trend that started with app-based ride-sharing, transportation, and delivery, driving cabs, delivering food, delivering groceries, delivering stuff, is now evolving into something way larger. So what started off as the on-demand economy and the sharing economy is sort of growing into this gig economy where it's going beyond rides in food and grocery into all kinds of things. Your retail warehouse workers, your forklift operators, your restaurant, hospitality workers, those working in the back of the house or those working at the guest stand. There's a game happening in the stadium and and you need security guards and you need staffing at those places, Uh, construction, home services, financial services, energy workers, real estate workers. The whole model of customers and workers connecting in the context of a shift or a job or a task really is becoming way larger. And we already have Half a trillion of U.S. economy being gig work now and growing. So we're we're counting this in percentage of GDP, and the number of people involved are in millions of workers and going to tens of millions of workers, and and that's why it's becoming a ballot box issue and a political issue as well. So I think it's yeah. really important to get the laws right. It it almost feels like when intellectual property laws went from physical to digital, uh, the DMCA sort of came in and sort of reformed uh, stuff into the new reality of how intellectual property should be protected. Similarly, I think the Department of Labor and the state governments need to reform to understand that there is this new class of work in the economy, which is generally good for the economy, and it's inevitable. It's something that's going to happen. How do we protect the workers and classify the workers? So to specifically answer your question around the independent contract, independent contractors do not have benefits such as the employer filing their taxes, getting health benefits, the employer contributing to unemployment and disability benefits, accruing leaves, so on and so forth. Well, just um, as just
0: as previous freelancers and independent contractors in the pre app era, same thing.
1: That's absolutely right. And a part of that workforce, Bob is economically dependent on the employers and are working way more than 20 hours and often more than 40-hour shifts. And similarly, the business also has dependency on these workers. And in the five-factor thing that the FLSA laid out, for the business, this is not a side thing as far as delivering the business service is concerned. This is part of the core business offering as the law or the rule said, integrated unit of work. So that is a strong point in favor of the employers giving some of these workers those benefits. What's important is to figure out how you could classify some of these as independent contractors and some of these as employees, potentially, because mm-hmm. I don't think a broad sweep in either direction will will do any good. Here's another thing that Bob I think is important to note is, see if you think about it, You have freelancers and independent contractors, and they're usually doing something that's not core to the business. But now you have these businesses where their core service is entirely being fulfilled by gig workers, right? And in that sense, freelancers. As a result of that, what's happening is in many industries, the employers who were employing hourly wage workers as non-exempt employees and offering them benefits are starting to move these workers into app based sort of dispatch and servicing mm-hmm. of jobs.
0: Thereby yeah, not having to pay it, benefits and all that other things that you were mentioning.
1: Yeah. It, correct. So in some mm-hmm. sense, you can see the motivation that you have technology and automation available. So why would you get be stuck in the old world? You would offer new technology to automate your workforce and so on. But in doing so, many of these 60 odd million hourly wage workers are shifting now to being uh, gig workers another thing if i'm if i may overlay on on top of this is there is a generational preference as well we talk about the great resignation a lot of the workforce in america is choosing to not be an employee and retain that flexibility of when they work and the months in the year that they work or what kind of jobs they do and the ability to do multiple jobs at a time, for that workforce as well, there's a natural shift happening not just from the customers, but also from the workers, is my client.
0: Yeah. Do you think, though, that we all got it wrong in the beginning, though, in our perception of what the so-called gig economy was all about? It seems at the beginning, especially with regard to the ride apps like Uber and the like, the idea was that these jobs are going to be supplementing somebody's full-time income. They'll do this stuff on the side. The whole idea of the word gig sounds like something, Ah, eh, it's just something I do for a little extra cash. But now we find out that 44% of gig workers are relying on this work as their main or sole source of income. Did we not anticipate this was going to happen?
1: You hit the nail on the head. I think when these services started, they said Listen, anyone with a car can drive anybody around and make a buck on the side. And it was even called the sharing economy. You're sharing your asset and monetizing that. A similar thing happened with Airbnb as well, if you remember. It's meant for me to open up my home and host guests and make some money on the side. And before you know it, there's a number of people who are the new property managers who are managing in the city of San Francisco tens of properties owned by someone sitting halfway across the globe, and basically running a business which is competing with uh, local hotels. Mm -hmm. With any sort of tectonic shift in technology, I think there is going to be a large impact in, in how business gets done. And I think you're absolutely right that what started off as, hey, let people give each other rides and customers are happy, the workers are happy, or the citizens are happy, what's more peer-to-peer, it will often emerge that gives rise to a workforce, sort of transforms the workforce. To It opens the eyes of those working to, hey, I can do this more, and yeah. I can bring my relatives into it. Let me own a fleet of cars and do this as a business, right? Let me start a new business. So in the spirit of entrepreneurship, you'll have workers who will love that flexibility that this service offers. And if it works really well, you have whole business around it. And I think that's where what started with taxis, food, grocery and delivery, transportation and delivery is now becoming part of your traditional heavy industry and small businesses and healthcare, mm-hmm. pretty much every industry in the US that employs right. hourly wage workers.
0: Okay, so you have this class of worker. And you have these advantages to that particular type of work, but there is, of course, a downside if they're not protected, if they're not able to make a living off of it. So I'm just wondering, though, what kind of technology is available out there that might help, whether you want to call it a gig worker or an independent contractor, would help them to maximize their income and overcome some of Mm -hmm. the disadvantages of being that kind of worker?
1: On the one side, you're building this meritocratic, democratic, open platform that helps customers and workers connect with each other in the context of a gig. And that is a significant boost to the economy, I believe. It's an idea whose time has come. So instead of squashing that, I think policymakers need to embrace that. It's inevitable. It's time has come. On the other hand, the safety net, which Regulation and policy is expected to provide to all its citizens, which was also fundamental to the FLSA came about at the end of the Great Depression, and the reason was that workers were exposed there's both sides your customer needs to be protected as well as the worker needs to be protected so these ad based marketplaces I believe have the obligation to ensure that the worker is indeed skilled to do what they're supposed to do. There's a company called Workwhile, which offers forklift operators to retailers in America. So they they have a certification program to to get these gig workers forklift certification. Similarly, there's a company called InstaWork, which provides restaurant workers to a large number of restaurants in America. And they have certifications to, to make sure that workers can do that. And then in the context of the gig, you want things to be safe. You don't want, let's say, your ride sharing driver to be driving too fast to make the extra buck and making roads unsafe, or you don't want while the passenger's in the car for any bad incident to happen, which leads to trouble. So I believe there's a range of safety nets that these app based marketplaces need to be held accountable for. Workers who are indeed dependent on them and are spending a large number of hours should be able to graduate to an employee status from an independent contractor and get more benefits. And there should be obligation to ensure that these workers are skilled in what they do and when they're performing the job, it's being done right.
0: The degree to which the technology can help them maximize their own hours and make sure that they're making the most use of their day, that they're not having downtime for which they're not getting paid. So there is technology that allows that, is there?
1: There is. and. At the same time, there's only so much the technology can do as well. In a situation where you have enough supply and you have enough demand, technology works in ways to minimize downtime for the workers. If, if you think about it, there's alignment of interest there, right? The lesser idle time for the worker also means lesser idle time for the business, right? So you're maximizing revenue by mm-hmm. keeping your workers engaged and interested all the time. And then there's always competition in gig work where for any class of service, you'll have multiple platforms offering jobs to those workers. So, how do you win the worker the the fastest? And at the same time, there will be situations where the worker is driving too far away from where they want to be. And once the job is done, they have to drive back. It's just the nature of where they end up being. They might not have the next job available in that neighborhood, and and so on. So, there's only so far technology can go. And at the same time, there's only so much you can expect the business to do to protect the worker from that idle time. For me, that would be a policy overreach.
0: It does sound like this is an issue that has yet to be completely settled, but it is good to hear yeah. that there are some protections and that there is a need for some kind of balance in defining what these workers do that would be both to the advantage of the worker and the employer. So I want to thank you so much, Kashyap Dior, for helping us to understand what are the dynamics and what are the factors and issues that speak to settling those controversies and how gig workers or whatever you want to call them going forward might continue to make a profitable business out of this. But thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much, Bob for the opportunity. I hope it was useful.
0: That was my conversation with Kashyap Diora talking about the controversy over the status of gig workers. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.